Oh, you like Italian food. It's a shame we can't get good Italian food like this in Quahog. Well, maybe the three of us ought to open an Italian restaurant there. Open our own Italian restaurant? I say, that sounds fun. Here we are, fellas, the future site of Quahog's newest Italian restaurant. Wow, this is a great location. Can we afford this? Sure we can. I set up one of those Kickstarters. Then I realized how stupid that is, and I went to the bank for a loan like an adult. Now, fellas, the tables should all be bolted to the floor to prevent theft. You know, most restaurants go out of business because people are stealing the tables. The toilet should also be bolted to the floor. I think that's pretty standard, Frank, but okay. Great. Now let's go find some chump's restaurant and steal his tables and toilets. Frank, where the hell is everybody? This was supposed to be our big opening night. I'll tell you what the problem is. Every successful restaurant has a hook or a gimmick. That's what we're lacking. <gasps> no, we're not. Frank, you're the hook. That's right. We just need to make you the face of the restaurant. It may be the five loaves of garlic bread I ate this morning talking, but I think that's a swell idea. Welcome to another exciting edition of Grill. How much longer on that medium rare steak, sir? Ice. I was wondering when you were going to ask me that, like you do every week, right out the gate, and I'm always trying to think of something funny. This time, I'm just not going to. I'm not falling into that trap, but five minutes. Five minutes. Thank you very much. Uh, we are recording to you from the neighborhood of South Lake Union in Studio 212 on South Lake Union. Did I already say that? I think so. Uh, Seattle, Washington is the town of Viaduct down. Oh, man. Via Doom. Via Doom. Wow. Uh, I am one of the hosts of this podcast about food industry, restaurants, uh, assholes, where we bitch about servers and uh, talk shit, and I really enjoy it. I am Bobby Stills. Hi, I'm Eric. I'm the other person here as well with Keith. The the other one with Keith. And then Ingrid. I am here. And Ingrid is here. Ingrid. What's up, shorty? The ray of sunshine she always is. Well, she's breaking it down. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is going to be episode 126. And uh, I want to thank all the listeners out there who have stuck with us through the hard times. You know, good times, bad times. Is this where you, you break know? into a montage moment of like people listening to us? On, yeah. Oh, God. Such a good movie. Yeah, man. We've been getting some good feedback from people online. Uh, keep, keep, keep coming with those comments and those um, I think last week was a good show. Last people week. people are like actually commenting in a good way, and I'm like, oh, I think we did something. They think okay. we're funny. I don't know if they're yeah. laughing at us or I'm with okay with us both. Either way, it's like you, you know, know, good press is bad press. So anytime you can get somebody, whether it's laughing at us, I'm cool with that. Yeah, no problem. You know, a Yelp review is still a Yelp review. Right? Uh, yeah, I get plenty of those <laughs> shitty ones, so we're okay. <laughs> I've toughened my skin up on those. A uh, couple things were before we get into the uh, meat and potatoes of this episode. Um, you got a little write up in. Uh, Seattle Met about yeah. some changes. Mm-hmm. What, what's, what's going on with the changes? Uh, we're, you you know, we're just uh, we're expanding a little bit. We're kind of um, doing lunch now. It starts this week and then brought on Amy, who's amazing. And so, yeah, just kind of adding some things. We we have a, a lease that we just signed on the space for the next three years. So we're kind of more permanent real restaurant now, which oh, is kind of fun. Real restaurant. So, um, what is so how's real? that going to work as far as 
your 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 no walk-in stuff. Are you still gonna stick with that for that whole thing? For lunch, we'll do walk-ins because that's appropriate. And there's people already there, and we're we doing walk-ins for like coffee service. But you anyway. don't let though, right? For yeah, lunch, right? Puerto Rican food yeah. for lunch, man. And it, you're selling by the pound now. Yeah, by the pound, and we also have like a little menu with like sandwiches and all that stuff. It's all Puerto Rican food. So I'm not like, I'm not doing anybody else's stuff anymore. Yeah. I'm just literally doing Puerto Rican food for lunch, and that's the way it's always gonna be. That sounds good to me. And you're doing bottomless coffee. Yeah, um, so we have a promotion going on now since it closed 99. It's called 99 Problems, but a viaduct ain't one. <laughs> and uh, if you book through lunch, then we'll give you endless drip coffee. And it's from, it's not endless shit. Drip. It's not like Folgers. It's not any of that. Endless drip on your face, That's your shoes, and your neck. You know? um, but no, it's um, it's it's a cool thing. It's from, you know, Olympia Coffee or Stamp at Coffee. Um, and we're actually launching stuff with uh, Tartine, their coffee what? company. Yeah, car- coffee manufactory. Uh, so we'll be doing their stuff in like a week. We have an order coming in too. We'll be the first people in Washington to actually have that here. So it'll be pretty rad. It's a big fucking deal. It's a big fucking they deal. They got a lot of fans up here. I will say that Everybody in the coffee industry here in Seattle better watch out because those guys are coming in watch hot. Out. They're coming in hot, and they have a lot of resources, and they're doing really good stuff. So, favorite coffee place in town? Um, you know, Victrola is my favorite. I would say Slate right behind that one, just because I don't have one next to me. I actually wow. live a couple blocks away from Victrola, uh, and, and that's kind of where it ends. To be honest, I mean, there's a lot of other people that do stuff that's really cool. I just prefer those two. Do you consider yourself a coffee snob? Uh, sometimes depends on what it is. Uh, for for drip. Yes. For cold brew. Yes. Uh, for lattes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So yes, he's uh, a coffee yeah. stuff. I didn't know he was yeah. going to yeah, break no, it down like yeah. that. <laughs> We've already run through pretty much everything. Yeah. He is a coffee stuff. Yeah. yeah. I, I just, I feel like there's a lot of everyday bullshit stuff. And then there's the really spectacular things that people. Although wait, here's the question nice. is how snobby are you? Cause I once knew a guy who refused to drink his espressos out of anything other than like nice stoneware. Oh no, I don't do that. I, I will literally pour in espresso shots into soda water and that's my, that's my. So since we're talking thing. about coffee, I got a quick little story real quick. Coffee so time. my favorite coffee place is Vivace, right? Yeah. Um, I've lived down the street from there. I've been to the old one, the little side satellite stand, the new one, all this stuff. So last uh, Friday, I'm walking down the street, and this guy looks at me, you know, which I get looks all the time, and the, you know, gives me the head nod, hey, what's up, man? And I was like, hey, what's up? Maybe I knew this guy, and he looks at me, and he goes, uh, you like coffee, man? And I go. <laughs> like a drug deal. Yeah. And I go, yeah, dude, I do. And he goes, opens up his jacket and goes, here you go, man. It just hands me. A bag of beans. A bag of freshly roasted beans. From Vivace. And I was like, what? What's what's up? What's going on, man? What is this? I don't know if I should take this from you. And he's like, no, man, it's cool. But I was like, is it cool, bro? Have you like tried licking them to see if you'll see shit? Or no, but he goes, no. I, he's I work at the roaster. Oh, and okay. I get a free bag every day. So he just hands it out as, and he's as like, you, needed. You looked cool, man. But then the two ladies that I were with as we were walking down the street goes, What the fuck was that all about? And I go, I don't know, dude. And they're like, no, no, no. You mean some guy just stopped you on the street mm-hmm. and just randomly asked you, is there something inside this coffee? Like, is there is there like a way you transport? I don't know. You know? Just just drink it or chew a fucking bean straight up and see what happens in an hour. Yeah, put them in the fridge. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Keith, favorite coffee in town? Uh, Mercury. I like that, Mercury. What about you? What about you, uh, Ingrid? 
Herkimer? Herkimer. Oh, I just like kind of say it. It sounds like a like a um but they're like, good. Like a Sesame Street character. Herkimer. Herkimer. Um second thing I wanted to get into. Well, congratulations on your space. Thanks, man. And you're serving lunch. Are you serving lunch? Yeah, dude. I'm there like all the time. Like we're open from Wednesday through Sunday, and I'm I'm there every day. Have you put a bed slash couch in there yet? I'm going to. I mean, we have a couch in space right now. So yeah. I mean, yeah. But you sleep down there sometimes. Yeah, I'm trying to turn it into like a, you remember the Family Guy episode where uh, Quagmire turns everything to his house into a bed? <laughs> push, kind of push button. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like that. Second thing I wanted to bring up real quick. We uh, here at the Soundcast Network, who hosts our podcast here, uh, Keith is the owner-operator of owner this, op. this operation. Oppers. We are doing, they are doing the... Um, the media for Canacon, which is going to be the January 31st, 1st, and 2nd at the convention center. Um, it's about the weed industry. What's what's their motto there? Where the cannabis industry comes to talk business. Yeah. Nice. So they're not really they're giving away weed or anything. They're, I found it really interesting. They're like, uh, you know, selling uh, one person selling uh like rollers to sit, you know, make joints. Other ones are selling lights, you know. ovens to dry your shit. Yeah, packaging, well, kind of marketing. It is. But what I found funny and why it relates relates to this show is that uh, Miss Cat Cora is coming to is one of the featured guests at this um, convention. She'll be doing a marijuana cooking demo. That's, oh, nice. That's right. And uh, somehow I have been sourced with. Uh, <laughs> Getting all of her equipment for no her. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so I got a whole list of all the stuff she needs, which shouldn't be that hard. I was gonna slow come cookers, to you, you know, hey, bro. induction burners. <laughs> she needed a freezer, sous vide. So takes the, forever. You know, the thing about it was, I thought the freezer was probably gonna be the hardest thing to secure. It's the first thing that I secured. Mm. But all the other stuff I can handle. Sure. But what I found funny when I wanted to get your opinion mm-hmm. on it was, it just says knives. Knives. And so I said, okay, what? Doesn't she travel? Maybe you want to double check this. Don't you think she travels with her own I'm knife? I'm pretty sure. Bag? Maybe for like her prep people. You know what I mean? Maybe for she's just, just like, bring, she's just bringing a sue. But just maybe like just in case kind okay. of things. Okay. I, I've I've seen weird shit like that where people want to have like a dedicated workstation that's available. Yeah. So if you go to like Aspen Food and Wine or uh, you know any of the other food and wine yeah. things, there's dedicated workspaces that just kind of have everything there. And they just there. come with it. Yeah, and you just show up and you're like, shit, I didn't honestly, I didn't need to bring anything. Yeah. I still did because. I'm well, your chef's like bag that. has like everything. I mean, right. I, I have my. They need a fish bat. I have. Right. I have my fish bat in there. I have my measuring cups. Right. I have. Everything that I need, all my little tongs, all yeah. that bullshit. I mean, I wouldn't do that, but if I was traveling internationally or back-to-back-to-back trips, which we've done before, yeah. um, I can see how somebody would be like, oh, shit, like, I didn't have my bag or something. Well, I wasn't able to think, check stuff that's in. That's what I'm thinking about, too. Is yeah. that- if you've got a set of knives that you love more than anything, are you really going to be comfortable letting some fucking TSA worker toss them around yeah, instead of I've, I've had to. I mean, you kind of take that chance. Can you take your knife bag on a plane? You can't take it on the plane. You have to check, check it in. Check it. You have to check it in every fucking time. Fuck and so me. that's like the biggest... Thing so I used I would to have, cry. I used to have two sets of knives. I have two sets. Yeah, and so one was like my holy grail set, I and then a, the other never one, leaves my house. Yeah, the other one is my. If these show fuckers lose it, blades. then I'll kill them. Yeah. yeah. Either way, I'll still be pissed off. But I have a show off bag that I'm like check out these knives. Then I'm like this one I really cook with. But yeah. I don't. I would cry. Man. I would. Yeah, that would be the worst thing ever. So I just thought it was funny because I was like, maybe you want to double check and make sure. You yeah. Know, what, and I was like, and then on, t- on top of that, I was like, well, I don't know what preference of knives does she wants. Does she have a preference? You should just so. get her like 12 pairing knives. 
<laughs> she asked for four chef's knives. Four <laughs> chef's knives. Four different lengths. Six nope. inch, eight just inch, four chef's ten knives. inch, twelve inch. Nope. Yeah. No, no other specifications. Just four chef's. All knives. lefty handles. Right. You know she's righty, but no. To Restaurant Depot, I go. Um. Yeah. Anyway, uh, another short little thing. Who shared this on our little group thing about uh, Jose Andreas? Oh, that was today. It wasn't me. That was Miss Amy. Or Amy. Nice. Shout out to Amy. Shout out to Amy. Uh, Best Amy of all time. Yeah, th- this guy is the modern day saint. I mean, I know Bourdain's up there on our wall, but this guy is really doing it. Yeah. I mean, he is, when someone is in need of food, he's there. He shows up. And he's not even just there. He's like, oh, yeah, no, we'll be there tomorrow. Yeah. Like, this and thing happened right now. We're deploying people. It's I will cool personally thing. be cooking. I will not be, like, just standing in front of cameras. I'm going to actually go do some work. I'm going to be really honest. Like, if you ever needed another branch of the military, it would be something like this guy does. Like, boots on the ground, it's let's really, go, it's, it's cooked. It really it's something. is foreign it's aid. It's fucking great. I mean, he gets in. Why can't they do this with water? Why can't they do this with everything else? I mean, he's so goddamn organized, and his logistics are incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And the, even when he went into Puerto Rico, he's like, I don't even know how we're going to pay for this shit, but we're going. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, we're just going to go, and we're going to figure it out. He also has, he has such a, a friendly approach and a nice guy attitude about yeah. the whole thing. Right. That he kind of, I've talked about it before, he kind of guilts other people into wanting to help. I feel that way. Because he's there yeah. and he's just like, I'm doing it. You guys right. stay at your restaurant. You right. cook your food, but please send whatever you can. I'll make it. Right. I'll, whatever you can do. If it's fucking only money, send money. He's like, that's some bitch shit, but still, I'll yeah. take your money and I'll buy stuff with it. And what we are talking about is, and this is even what's even sadder, is that we have a foreigner coming in here and giving aid to the American government employees. I think Keith just blew up over there. Oh, my God. <laughs> so if you listen to this, if you listen to this podcast outside the United States, which I do know that we have people listen. But he's been in America for ages now. And he's, you know, he has a restaurant empire but, that's but here. It doesn't, and he's, it doesn't matter. He doesn't have I understand a, that. He doesn't need to. Exactly. He doesn't need to, but he does it because he's he does a fucking it, good guy. He does it all around the world. And that's what the fucking crazy part about all this GOP Republican crazy shit is like, here's a guy who's an immigrant and comes in the country. And now he's helping people out more so than these assholes. Well, let me are. tell the listeners what's going on. I got on. excited, sorry. He, yeah, I got ahead of myself. <laughs> so he he's open, he opened, it is open, uh, opened a kitchen in uh, Washington, D.C. to feed the federal workers because our government is in a shutdown right now. Uh, it's currently the longest running uh, shutdown in the U.S. history, and we don't know when the end is going to see. So they've already missed one paycheck, and they're about to miss a second paycheck from what, I, what I've heard. Um, so these employees have families. And they have bills. They have real responsibilities. Yeah. I mean, these aren't federal workers that are making, you know, six figures or anything else. You know, a lot of them aren't making anything close to that. I mean, most TSA people make $40,000 a year. Yeah. You know, so it's like there's tons of people who are working their asses off and they're like, I would just like to get paid. But then they go, oh, you're essential, not essential or whatever. And they're like, you're still supposed to show up to work. And it's like, no, bullshit. Yeah, so he he came right away, set up a kitchen in uh, the Navy Memorial, and he is currently equipped to feed more than 800,000 uh, federal employees who do not have a job. Which is incredible. Yeah, I just love it how he just, bam. And I, and I love it because it's a total, you know, kind of fuck you to, to everybody on that whole thing, you know. They want to sit there and take stuff away or act like it's not a big deal, but then they're going on their private planes and jets and taking vacations and doing all these things. And you've got these people who are like, no, I don't even know how I'm going to pay my bills, you know, and that's just crazy. It's crazy. 
he also says the kitchen is open. It's not of who needs more than anyone else. It's, yeah. it's any anyone federal government That's employee. Right. He said, if you are in need, please come, and uh, the government shutdown is affecting you. Show up. So, you know, he's all inclusive, too. Super tight. Well, congratulations to him. And then uh, to get into the real topic of today's discussion, uh, how do we want to label this? Mm. With blue tape. <laughs> Lots of blue tape. With the edges cut off, Keith, not torn. Keith, you wanna you wanna you wanna start us off here, buddy? Azur Hashem. And I probably butchered that and I'm probably gonna get all kinds of shit for it, but best approximation I got. Okay. Here's what I know so far. So, Azar Hashem. Okay. So basically she opened up an upscale Eastern Mediterranean restaurant called not, not really upscale. She's That's what that's what they're labeling it. Oh really? Okay. Uh, Tala. Tala? Tala? Tala. Anybody been there? Anybody been there? No. I never heard of the place. No. When I go to San Francisco, my friends have never sent me there. No. So it had shut its doors on December 16th. Um, it had been open since early 2016. They said it had it was had critically acclaimed in San Francisco. I don't know if it did or not. But basically what happened is she wrote a article and sent it off to Medium and they printed it. And basically she was a Google marketing executive um, in the Bay Area. And she saw a uh, lack of, uh, for better or worse terms, of... Um, Middle Eastern, kind of Southern Asian food. Yeah, and so she wanted to kind of do like a home style family um, comfort food style, I guess. Yeah. yeah, and she figured with her engineering background and her ten plus years of management expertise and an MBA in tech, and she also had an MBA. She figured she'd go in and attack attack the restaurant industry from all sides. She uh, was at two years operating uh, her restaurant. Um, she said that she saw a very very broken model in the San Francisco uh, restaurant industry and uh, she figured that somehow with her expertise in marketing and stuff she was going to be able to fix fix that issue well what she found out was that uh, she didn't know what the fuck was going on and uh, the business had, ate her alive yeah she said that when she closed her doors out of she started off with 25 employees she was literally running it with only three people plus her and she blamed it on a lack of uh, cooks. And she blamed it on a, not just a lack of cooks, but like their bad habits and their cocaine. Being drug alcoholics. Being drug addled fucking clowns. Yeah. Which, you know, we all know isn't entirely untrue. But I, I just look at it like this. It's like, what did you expect from the industry? I mean, if you're on the outside looking in and you get in and you want to throw that as the first thing of, I'm going to have to deal with all these drug addict people then I don't know who you're expecting to hire. Do you, do you gauge them out and do you do corporate style but did like she resume know this, or but applications? Did you, I don't think she understood what she was getting into. That's She says she story. talked to a bunch of people and, oh, yeah, all these people donated their time so I could figure this shit out. And it's like, I don't know if they did. And I don't know if you're misjudging that because it seems to me you went in with a horrible expectation of what you were going to get out of it. And, and the state of, you know, the employment situation in restaurants right now. Yeah, but what's okay? There's many, many restaurants here in Seattle that I mean, I can go to too that are very nice restaurants. They have reputations behind them, and you go in there and they have those fuck ups in the kitchen. They have the fucking drunks, the cocaine addicts, the, you know, 
sexually harassing guys in there. Uh, but nobody ever sees that. Right. You know, it's behind closed doors out in the, the front of the, the, the dining room. It's it's all sparkle and fancy and the food is is wonderful. But there are also restaurants here in Seattle, not very many of them, but there are restaurants here where that shit just doesn't fly. Yeah. And it, it's I think it's more because um, there's some chef owners, should I say chef owners, who do not tolerate that type of atmosphere and they will not allow people to work in their kitchen who let that shit happen. You know, it's all business when they come in. And then there's other people, like I believe this uh, owner, um, that is naive and didn't know what the fuck is going right. on. She doesn't come from the industry. So when people are sneaking off and they're doing this fucking stuff, and, you, you know, a lot of us online uh, know when our coworkers are drunk or they're on drugs, um, but the fucking management out front has no fucking idea. They have no idea. And we're not going to go up to them and snitch on our fucking brother. Yeah, so-and-so we got to pull them aside later that night and fucking say, yo, man, I'll whoop your fucking ass if yeah. that happens again. So I think it's probably lack of knowledge and lack of experience of somebody not knowing, and uh, she just... I don't think hired the the right people and she's blaming it on things that it's so weird because it's like you could, yeah, blaming it on all things of high wages yeah, and yeah. you know, employees not being able to live in the area and nobody wants to work there. And I'm like, I see job listings all the time in Seattle and everywhere. You know, you can look on all these like culinary agent sites and whatever. If a restaurant doesn't sound exciting or isn't good or doesn't feel like you're going to learn something nine times out of the 10, a line cook is going to be like, why the fuck would I want to go work yeah. there? Why would I want to do that? And so even a couple days ago, there was an article here in my Northwest with, you know, people talking about how, oh, the line cooks, we can't find any cooks. We can't find any cooks. And I'm like, I'm going to be real honest. Like anybody who's talking right now isn't a fucking chef for real. They're not helping out. They're not training. They're not doing what it takes to make a cook out of nothing or a cook out of something or fit into a system where it's inspiring for them to be there on a daily basis. Because I'm going to be really honest. There's another article too that said we're losing losing cooks to the weed industry and they're going to work retail and they're doing all this shit. And it's like, well, that's kind of silly because again, you can only pay so much at a restaurant. The rest of it has to come from what is that line cook learning? What do they actually want to do? Do you want to be a chef one day or do you just want to make, you know, 15 to $20 an hour? Because I'm going to tell you, you can do that anywhere. Here's something that I, I was pondering the other day is that and I, and I bitch that I believe there is a shortage of, of staff, okay? And I know this to be true. Everybody out there is hurting. What I wanted to bring up was that I think that the restaurant industry and the cooks that the pool that we had to pull from before was much, much, much larger. Yeah. And I think because of that, um, it was you got 10 resumes, Instead of two resumes or one resume, okay? And now people are complaining that people aren't showing up for their interviews or they stodge and they don't come back. That's how a lot of fucking other industries like that in the entire fucking world <laughs> has always fucking worked. It's just that there's been an abundance yeah. of shitty fucking cooks. There's always a fucking two arms, two fucking hands. And so you had somebody, even if that person fucking sucked, you still had somebody that could and make a fucking salad. And it's not even just shitty cooks. And I've, I've got this whole fucking theory about this but shit. You but you still had shitty cooks. No, it, yeah, even if you, you didn't have any quality, you still had somebody, a body on the fucking line. Now there's not a fucking body because people are tired of getting treated like shit. And with minimum wage being brought up to what it is now, people aren't going to fucking be treated the way they are and fucking have to be 
oh, I'm supposed to get off at fucking 10 o'clock tonight. Sorry, you got to stay till one. They're just not going to put up with it anymore. No, and the thing is, is that we had a huge influx of all these people who decided to go to culinary school, who watched the Food Network and grew up thinking, oh, that's what I want to do. I want to be a star. I want to be a chef. I want to be on TV. And so you get this huge amount of people going into culinary school, coming out and realizing, holy shit, I can't pay these student loans on these shitty wages. And this is a fucking impossible job full of like fire and sharp shit and no family <laughs> life and drug addicts. That and tattooed. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. And so you've seen a huge drop off on the amount of people that are even going into the industry. Yeah, which is good because I, I feel like there's a lot of people, again, the cream rises to the top, man. And additionally, here in the city, we've boomed over the last few years. So there's more restaurants than there's ever been before. But there's also restaurants that are closing on a daily basis. So there's a big cycle of ins and outs and people wanting to come up here or just leave and go to San Francisco or yeah. go to Chicago or go to New York or whatever. The more single owner operators that open the same fucking restaurant 10 or 12 times over that saturated with the same mediocre cuisine those are part of the fucking blame i'll be honest nobody wants to come here and cook nobody wants to come dude i man i left here i left here because i was tired of everybody's shit and i said you know what why the fuck am i going to go around this small fucking pool what are you going to do be the big fish in a small pond no fuck that like got to go to somewhere else that you're going to learn some shit from and challenge yourself because honestly man in seattle nobody's going to fucking challenge you zero percent you can fucking pat yourself on the back all day talking about how your shit is fucking tight. But at the end of the day, go to New York or go to Chicago or go to Japan and ask them about who's who in Seattle. Be ringing, you know what people are going to say? <laughs> who the fuck is that? <laughs> who the fuck is that? What happens in Seattle? Nobody fucking knows. You know, and you can't just sit here and bag on having higher minimum wage and all these other fucking things. It's like, yeah, we're trying to be a real city now. You know, for the first fucking we're time, we're trying to be a fucking real city. And you have all these restaurants and restaurateurs like holding this shit back because they want their same fucking and beloved concept and it's just garbage I think yeah I think I, I definitely think we need to grow as a, a city when it comes to food we do we uh, don't I think, it's I think all we the same shit dude I, I think that we our identity is changing X and X gastropub opens again well, in so and so and it's the same fucking menu but, up and down but the Pacific Northwest cuisine they're just tweaking it you it's know all what the I'm same shit and, man and yeah, we're getting off topic. I know. I'm sorry. I got excited. Well, so, okay, my question <laughs> is, what do you want to see instead? Like, what what would surprise you and 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 make you happy to see and say, holy shit? No, what's gonna bring? No, what's gonna bring the cooks up here? The, what's gonna bring the cooks up here is if there's a, like a statement restaurant, and there really honestly isn't one. But what do you need to make a statement in Seattle? Like, I'm. It, the, it, I would say the only person who's able to bring people up here internationally is Blaine right now on Lummy. But he's not even in Seattle. Exactly. People don't care about Canlis anymore. That's, I know, that's what I was thinking. I said people, it's true. people used to come up here to eat at Canlis. They, I had cooks that were like 10, 15 years ago. That was like the Testament place. And then yeah. they started to look around and they're like, wait, I can fly to San Francisco. I can move there yeah. for a while. I can go to L.A. I can go to wherever. But now you can't go to San Francisco, though. I mean, that's the point. That's the point. That's the point of this woman's article. I think she's using that as an excuse as to why her restaurant failed. Absolutely. And and you see it all the time with these articles that come out. I mean, the the one from the other day from my Northwest, it's the same thing. It's owner operators going, oh, shit, we had to raise minimum wage and now we can't afford this. And, you know, meanwhile, you have servers that are making, what is it, 30, 40 dollars an hour. And nobody wants to address that shit. So you have a cook that you feel bad for because he can't barely make bills. But then you have somebody else in the building that's making $30, $40 an hour, and that's okay. But that's not okay. Yeah, I mean, I know plenty of servers in town that work three days a week, and they still manage to go to fucking Mexico two or three times a year. Right, so that's why, like, even in my own company, I broke that shit out, and I said, fuck that, it's not happening anymore. And if nobody likes that, don't fucking come work for me. 
You know, because everybody who's in there is just has has enough hands on in the dining room as anyone else. I mean, but we're we're heading that way too. I mean, right. San Francisco's been been heading that way. We right. we are we are on that that same path. Right. Um. And like you said, the cream rises to the top. So I believe a lot of these restaurants that are in town that don't really shouldn't be in Seattle, they're gonna close. It's gonna happen. They're gonna close it's, their doors. It's already happening. I mean, Seattle Times just had an article this last year about how many restaurants closed in the year. And how many close in a yeah. month and how many open? And they're just like, it's just a cycle. One well, it brings us back to the article. Um, it's the same thing. These restaurants that are closing and then another one pops up behind it aren't being opened up by chef operators. No, they're not. You know, they're people that come in with with backers and investors it's, and or it's, line it's, pockets. Or it's a developer and they already have the space yeah. and they're like, I don't want it to sit here and be whatever, Empty but I have a concept it. that I have to pitch to the rest of the people that are in this building. And that's exactly what happens. I mean, shit, right when we signed our lease, I saw the original lease and they said, you can only be a coffee place that's serving East Coast style fucking deli sandwiches to the people in this space from these hours to these Excuse hours. Me? And they copy pasted that, put it that on our new lease. And I was like, absolutely never. That's <laughs> never going to happen. I need a broad spectrum of where to work with and how this restaurant works because, you know, another thing a lot of restaurant owners don't realize when they have a space and they're paying a rent on it, yeah. they're paying rent on that 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Yeah, exactly. So They should be able to do whatever the fuck they want exactly, with it. Exactly. So if you try to peg in a concept too hard, you're not going to be doing anything. And I don't care what it is. You could be in the Mission District. I want to tell you something, man. If I was going to do anything in the Mission District in San Francisco, you know what it would fucking be? Tacos. Tortoise. It would be motherfucking talk because the community supports that. I can't go into any other place. I can't go into the, San mission, the mission's still kind of sketch. I understand that, but like, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna go to L.A. and say, "Here's Silva, the story of Washington restaurant that I have." Hey, by the way, here's this other shit. You can't force that stuff. You can't. You have to read the neighborhood and understand what it is, or you need to be so fucking out there and execute it at such a high level that nobody cares where you're at. Do you think that's a product of uh, outside, like international developers? Not, not. There's knowing? domestic. No, there's a lot of domestic stuff that happens here. I, it's I being think forced it's, that way. It's a side effect of stupid amounts of money. Yeah. is what it is. Is because everybody looks okay. Where's all these rich people at? All right, what can I sell them? Right. Oh, my high concept recycled bullshit. No problem, dude. When I was working with Huxley Wallace and they had their you know opening seven restaurants in a year thing. We could, we literally were just saying whatever fucking concept we wanted. And they were just like, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. And it was literally just like that because there's so much stuff being built within that time that yeah. it was up for grabs. And, they just, and the developer's like, I just don't, I can't open this space with having all the tenants above here, 10 floors up and having the space be empty yeah. when they walk in. It doesn't look you, good. They go, you're a fucking amenity yeah, yeah, and you need exactly. to be open yeah. by this date because then these other people are coming two or three days after that and you have to be open, motherfucker. Yeah. And and that's how we lucked out on our lease now because they were like, well, who, nobody else wants to come here. And I'm like, I'm here. I'll take it. Great. Great. It's called leverage. But I'm not 10 restaurants deep trying to open the same shit. It's just very different. And look, cool for them for trying. But don't sit here and talk shit on the back end about how it's cooks and minimum wage and all this other stuff. You know, at the end of the day, good food is good food. You don't think she has any any good points? I didn't say that. Okay. I didn't say that. There's That's a few good asking. points in there. I, I think she's definitely getting to it. But, you know, a lot of the problems that I've seen with people that get into this industry that, A, don't know how to cook, 
B, have never been in the restaurant industry that long, and C, just don't really want to work that hard, D, will end up in the fucking toilet. You're going to close. I'm sorry. It's just going to happen. And unless you understand how to put a whole team together of people that you honestly function more as an investor, less as their operator restaurateur. Yeah, I mean, that that's that, that's kind of where I had my issue with the her, what she wrote. Um, in the article was that uh, there are people who have done it much longer, much better than her. Absolutely. And have still failed time and time and time again. And uh, they learned from their mistakes. They got back on their horse and they tried again. If you have a ton of money and you want to get into something like the restaurant industry, find someone who's hungry, who can pull the shit off and just be an investor and sit back, let them do it. Yeah. Bounce in every once Take in a, a while, seat. do your thing, but don't go, I want to be the name and face of the restaurant. That's bullshit. I think she had a very grandiose wide picture of what she, what she saw. That's and great. And she really thought that she could change something. I think it was a, a like a hard smack in the face yeah. of reality, a big dose that hit her and uh, just said, you know, you're just not cut out for the restaurant industry. Elon Musk's brother runs a really successful restaurant uh, group in Denver. This guy's all tech. Really? Super tech. All, it, did, you know, did you know that? Yes. And so, yeah. it, and, and he's getting ready to like take his concept all around the United States and all around the world and do his thing. It helps when you have a billion or two dollars that you're sitting <laughs> on. Do you know what I mean? Like That still doesn't mean you're going to be successful. He pulled it off. And you know, I you guarantee know, that, that he, I guarantee mean. he has a board. I guarantee he has a bunch of people, restaurant consultants and every other person in there going, if we're going to open a thousand of these restaurants, what do we need to figure out now? And he's figured that out and he's ready to open up those thousand restaurants. And it's not that having a billion dollars guarantees you're going to work it out. It guarantees it you you've got the time to work it out. Absolutely. He's been doing it for years and he's been doing it for fucking years. And everybody agrees it's a good concept and he's going to move it forward. It's not because he's Elon Musk's brother. It's because he has the resources and the time and like you just said, kind of everything they make it happen. Or on the other side, another option she could have had, buy a franchise. Yeah, I remember you buy a franchise. That. Yeah, you know, and at the end of the day, there's nothing wrong with buying a Sonic. There's nothing wrong with buying a, you know, anything else. But that's not burger, baby. But I don't think her uh, five guys. That's the thing about it. Is she she wasn't in it for the money. I understand that, but you can't. <laughs> that's fucking bullshit. There. You can't. You have to be in it for the money because the money is what's going to keep the restaurant going at the end. Well, of the I mean, day. I mean, and that's the thing is like, I understand that totally because um, you you have to watch every fucking penny. In a you have to watch everybody, and you have everything, to watch the neighbor, the, the restaurant that's right next to you. Yeah. That everybody likes to act like, oh, that's not we're we're not competitive with them. Yeah, fucking you are. Bullshit. Always. You are every single fucking restaurant oh. in this city. I am looking at them, and I'm looking at them for different reasons, not to see what they're doing, but what I can do to stay away from them so we can differentiate ourselves and it's a competition man you i don't do want to be different you have to be yeah you have to be because that's you, the problem with i feel like seattle yeah is every place you go is the same kind of the same do you have a kid's menu what all of our food <laughs> can be eaten by anyone how about that stance <laughs> well yeah that, that yeah. do you know what i mean like yeah. do you that's the falling into the trap idea That's, of that was always one of the funnest things for me is when a kid wanted to order something you didn't have a kid's menu it was like what's the kid like i'll make him whatever, I'll make fuck him whatever he, he wants. wants i do like a walking taco yeah, every once in a while i do whatever ever. and it's like well i don't i don't i don't understand why somebody's kid wouldn't want to eat this like i'm Good. a fucking kid and i want to eat i eat hot pockets all the time they're great but again it's like falling into the trap of at the end of the day what do you succumb to you know the suggestion box from everybody around you you just go you know what i know what the fuck i'm doing it may suck and we might you know fail or succeed but 
We're going to fucking figure it out. But you try again. Absolutely. And so I think that this woman, if she really does have the passion, she should fucking and she do it again. To, she should do it again. Absolutely. I guarantee she brings that concept up here to Seattle. Holy fucking shit. It sounds amazing and it would fucking work and it'd do really well. Just invite her to do a pop up. I will. Yes. <laughs> on the vibe. I'm not kidding. On the vibe. I'm not kidding. I'll may, maybe, you know, maybe clarify a lot of this stuff that we're talking shit about because I that would, feel maybe, bad. It, Keith, remind me to reach out to her. I'll reach out to her on But Twitter. I would be like, you know what? Honestly, maybe if it didn't work there, it could work somewhere else. And that's another thing, too. Location's a big fucking piece of the equation. San Francisco is very cutthroat. It, it's very cutthroat and it's very expensive. So who knows? Maybe that can work here. Maybe that can work in some other city. Maybe if it was in Tacoma, that shit would slay. You know, I Tacoma's mean, Tacoma's on the come up, dude. They are on the come up. In you know, five years, Tacoma's going to be the place we're fucking, all talking about. Dude, give it up for West Seattle and White Center. That, yeah. that place is, I mean, I, I remember just like four years ago, I was like, what the, I'm not going to West Seattle, man. That place yeah. is fucking And now bored. you can go down the street. Now I'm like, yeah, I want to go to West Seattle. We might go tonight. Yeah. You know, there's like New Luck Toys, Supreme, there's Maono, you know, and, and, you know, the old school restaurants, which isn't even old school at all. But, you know, when, when it used to be Spring Hill, that was my favorite fucking restaurant and they got, in Seattle. They got, a, they got a Popeye's too. So good. <laughs> so good. They have like a couple little quaint, like barbecue places. Yeah. And it's just, oh, man. It's popping. A lot of cool bars. What's the uh, the place out there for brunch that has the devil's face? Oh, you know what I'm talking about? Place? Right yeah. next to the bridge. Yeah, that's uh, like iconic. Oh, uh, Luna Park. It's fucking iconic. They got the piles, dude. It's fucking iconic. Hobo style. It's they great. can mix it together, or they can put yeah. it in a pile. Yeah, I mean that's West Seattle, man. Shout out there, milkshakes on the are fire too. Yeah. All right, uh, that's gonna bring us to the end of episode 126 of Grill. How long on that steak, mister? Seven minutes. Seven minutes. Thank you very much. Yeah, if you guys want to look up this article, we're going to post it on our page. It is entitled... You go to medium.com, um, and it is under Why SF Restaurants Are Suffocating. It was published January 11th. Not very long. Uh, she actually wrote it herself, uh, which kind of impresses me, but uh, I think maybe... I don't know. I would. I might like. I would like to reach out to her. Maybe get her. Maybe we'll reach. Her. We haven't done a phone interview ever, have we? Have we ever done a phone interview? We can talk about Skyper in. Skype. 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 If you would like to reach out to us on social media, it's going to be Grow How Long Steak Mister at Facebook and uh, Instagram. Uh, if you want to email us, it's going to be Grow How Long Steak Mister at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're at How Long Steak Mister. If you'd like to reach out to me uh, personally on um, social media, it's going to be at Bobby Stills on Instagram and uh, PlayStation Network on the video games at Bobby Stills. Eric. Uh, Eric Rivera Cooks on the Instagrams. Um, yeah. Auto Seattle. ADDO Seattle. Yeah. yeah. So what about the Twitter? All, all the Lechoncito Seattle. Lechoncito. Instagram for all the Puerto Rican foodness. Yeah. What's yeah. your, what about uh, autos? Uh, how, how do they find your um, list of all your, po- uh, your it's, schedule? For if stuff? you go to, yeah, if you go to ericriveracooks.com, uh, there's two sections that you click on. Go to reservations. One will take you to all the 20 course uh, flagship menus. The other one will take you to all of the Ballard events. Um, and then there's a store there that you can get like spices and seasonings and gift cards and, uh, cooking class packages and soon two more trips that we're adding for July. One will be going to Hawaii. The other one will be going to Australia in October. Yeah. If you guys think this, if, 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 his, if his character and his personality does not 
like bust through your guys's headphones or your phones or your cars. You got to see this guy in person, man. He's even a, even a bigger character in what person. Fucking, so imagine having this dude. Fucking weirdo. Imagine having this dude <laughs> cooking for you. And then Ingrid also there. You know what I'm saying? Saying what's up, uh, Keith. Soundcasting Network at the Soundcasting Network. Find us. Yeah, and we'll we'll promote Canacon. So what's uh, what's Canacon? Canacon's under their their new stuff. Website. Uh, Canacon Radio. Just uh, look for Canacon Radio on SoundCloud, and uh, that's their new podcast. It's ours. We did it. It's awesome. But can it's Canacon.com. Canacon.org. Yeah, if you want to get tickets to go uh, learn about the weed business, um, see some uh, social media content we made and all that bullshit, yeah, check them out. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Grill, how long steak mister? Five minutes out. Eat a dick, bitch.